fitness, nutrition, sleep, longevity, performance, fat loss, and all the keys to a life of health, happiness, and success. I'm Jed Zimmer, your host, and welcome to The Health Project. Welcome back, guys, and we're at episode 23 tonight of The Health Project, and we've got a bit of a different episode tonight. Um, we're going with a bit of a different take on things, obviously, you guys have been lucky enough to hear some expert advice from leading guests all around the world, but I thought it was time tonight, now that we're 23 episodes into it, to give you a little bit more of an insight about myself as a person and the the sort of journey that has got me to the stage where I am to now, a little bit about my mental health journey, fitness, and a few other little things. So obviously, we've had a bit of a Q&A in previous weeks, which I'm very humbled that you guys have sent some questions in. So I thought we might cover it, quite a few of them in, in some depth tonight, and Lucky enough to do so. I've actually got my mum on board with us tonight. How are you going, Joe? Hey, Jed. Thanks for having me on board. I feel a little bit underqualified given the calibre of guests you've had on previously, but I'll do my best to help out. Nah, she'll do great. And obviously, Joe, um, or mum as you're, you're known to as me, you'll, um, you'll be able to tell a lot about my journey because you're, you're someone who has seen it all from, the age, from, the, from a very young age up until this point. So... It's going to be good to cover, and I'm actually a little bit, a little bit excited to have a bit of a formal conversation with you. So it'll be good fun. I'm a little bit unprepared for it because, as you know, I like things to be organised and in advance. And you've just sort of lumped this on me, sprung it on me in the last hour. So we're both very OCD, Joe and I. Um, it's going to be awkward. It will be. It's very awkward right now. We're both looking at one another. It's been a bit different, and as I said, obviously with with some big guests, I don't actually get too nervous, whereas. At the moment, I'm finding myself a little bit unsure and uneasy with Joe in the room, which is a bit funny. But I guess where to start, Joe, a lot of people have been sending in some questions about myself and just want to know a little bit more because I haven't really covered it. Obviously, um, I've started up this podcast, The Health Project, and it's starting to turn into a bit of a business model. But um, I thought it'd be a good opportunity just to to explain a little bit more because there is some outside projects that I've got going on the go. So for me, I'm actually studying a Bachelor of Education as well. So studying to be a secondary teacher. So Joe, you're obviously a teacher yourself. And I guess um, I do think that that would have played a part in my decision. Do you think that's probably fair to say? I thought it would have had the opposite effect and turned you off, given the moods I come home in every night. No, I think the um, the eight weeks off during January, February, December, I think that looked pretty appealing to me. So, yeah, I, I think um, studying to be a teacher was something that I never actually really thought of. And I think it's a really good point to touch on because when I give some presentations and that at the moment, um, it, it's, it's a really good point to touch on that it's always it's okay to not know exactly what you want to do at certain times of your life. I know for me, even up until I had that gap year, I had no idea. Um, I finished high school and then you sort of just get put into the real world and you're, you're a bit unsure what to do with yourself. So I... I worked throughout that gap year. Um, I was lucky enough to get a job with AFL Central Victoria where I started working with some kids and children. And that's where I sort of decided that, that I actually loved working with kids. I was pretty passionate about health and fitness. Um, so that job of AFL Victoria was perfect and it really resonated with me that I wanted to teach kids. So I'm enrolled in that. I'm, I'm currently in my third year now. So I'm um, getting to the, to the latest stage of the degree, which is, um, which is awesome. I'm looking forward to, to being fully qualified. So on top of this, I'm also a personal trainer, which I've been quite vocal about on the, on the social medias there. So I've been a personal trainer for about 18 months now, working with all sorts of clients who want to lose weight, build muscle, improve athletic performance. Um, and most importantly to me, I think just improve their, their overall health and well-being. So 
between the two of them, that take, that does take up a lot of time. And then I guess outside of this, I'm also involved with Headspace, Headspace uh, Benigo, which is a, a local mental health organisation here in Benigo, um, as well as working with a few little schools. So Catherine Macaulay College, I do some little bit little presentations at the moment. We're doing a, a five ways to wellbeing campaign, which is tailored around some key aspects that are involved in health and wellbeing. So it's all about connections, some mental health strategies, the importance of exercise, the importance of regular learning and education. So between working with some schools, Headspace, um, even up at the university, I do some presentations, the podcast, and also as a personal trainer and studying, um, that's sort of where a lot of my time is is taken up on. And it, it's sort of a good leading point into where I want to go and a big reason why I've got Joe in today who who is also quite passionate about mental health, which I'm, I'm super passionate about. And it's, I guess a lot of my passion has come off the back of my own mental health experiences, which I'm quite vocal about. But up until this point, I've sort of, I was talking to Joe about it the other day and you mentioned to me, Joe, something that sort of stuck out to me. And it was the fact that you never sort of felt comfortable opening up about it. And, and I guess um, that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm super passionate about. I want people to, to sort of break that stigma and so they can feel more comfortable. So just going back to just you a little bit, Joe, why do you think that was that you never felt comfortable um, and pretty much didn't talk to anyone about it? Well, firstly, can I just say that I'm in awe of the fact that you do speak out about it and how confidently you do as well because it's not something that I find easy, not just about this topic, but I'm not quite sure where you get your confidence from because your dad and I don't like speaking um, in a manner or format like this. Although some people would beg to differ because we quite often look like we're outgoing and confident and social, but this is an extremely different situation having to talk like this and you're doing it without notes, which is even more admirable. You've, like Joe's got four pieces of paper right in front of her right now, which is... That I just scribbled down after I finished work today. So so well done, Jed. You're amazing. You. I've been teaching for 24 years and even though I speak in front of big groups of kids and fellow teachers, I wouldn't be able to do what you're doing. So well done. I think um, with, with me, Joe, I can only talk on behalf of myself. I think it's... Something to realise is, which is great with the mental health topic, is knowing that things will always change and you, you do always grow and adapt. I know looking back to myself, and you would sort certainly know this, Joe, um, even like year 10, 11, or even up until about 18 months ago, if you had asked me to go and do a presentation or mm. even like an old presentation, I used to try and get days off school mm. because I was absolutely petrified. Whereas now I, I jump at the idea of it and I couldn't be, you know, more... Um, what's the word, more happy or I want to be involved in the comfortable, that's a great word, to, to go out there and spread the word. And that just shows, I think, that, that things do change um, and there's always always opportunities for you to grow as a person and you know it's, it's very reflective of mental health because you're going to go through some challenging times but there's always light at the end of the tunnel so that's, a, that's the sort of the way I look at it with something like that. Yeah, and I'm not trying to give you a big head or anything but don't sell yourself short because... It's a huge hurdle, especially when that was a big issue for you to start with. So to have overcome that is a real lesson for anyone else who's listening too, that you can do these things. Um, you don't have to, but mm. you can do them if you want to. So I think in answer to your question, um, just to give you a bit of a background, I think that I've always been an anxious person. Um, if you've got an anxiety disorder, I'm by no means an expert on it. Um, that's my disclaimer. I don't know everything about mental health. Um, and some of my facts may not be true for other people. But just speaking from my own experience, I pretty much think 
I have been an anxious person my whole life in certain ways, which surprises a lot of people who see me out socially. Um, but I look back to my childhood and think, yeah, little things that worry a lot of people um, that I worried about were normal, but it's when you take it that next step and they start to really ruin, rule the way that you think and feel and overcome, sort of overtake the way that you live and they become so big that you can't just brush them off. That's when it becomes more of an issue. And little things that probably, you know, I look back in the past where I would do things like I wouldn't step on a crack because I thought my parents would die if I stepped on that crack walking along the pathway. I mean, some people might have that happen to them once or twice, but when you're doing that all the time, mm. I'm not saying I had OCD, but it's things like that that, that start to really um, affect your, your way of living. And one um, example was a grade five teacher said to me when I was at school that we should all say our prayers before we go to bed at night in case we don't wake up in the morning because lots of old people do that. They go to sleep and they die in their sleep. So if you don't say your prayer before you go to bed, you won't go to heaven. So I took that in grade four or five as I was going to die in my sleep. And you can ask my mum mm -hmm. about this. I didn't sleep properly. I couldn't get to sleep till midnight for months and months. And mum had to sit up with me and... Um, it sounds a bit funny now, but it's just when you take those little things and they become real to you mm. and you think it's going to happen to you. And that's a bit the way I describe my anxiety. I want to ask, Mum, did you see it as abnormal at the time? Were you aware that you were probably struggling with some of these illnesses or conditions, I guess you could say, or you just thought it was completely normal? You think it's real because another example was I had a lot of pain in my knees and um my anxiety is always health related. So it's sort of an obsession with your own health and the health of those that you love around you. And I remember thinking, I'd only heard of cancer probably once or twice at that age, but I thought I had cancer in my knee. Mm. And it turned out to be fluid and it's sort of an ongoing thing with me, but I convinced myself that I had cancer. Mm. So I don't think it was normal, but for me it was normal, mm. if that makes sense. So you wouldn't have known any different, yeah. No. And I get that sounds very similar to me, which you can touch on and I will get you to touch on a little bit because what you said there about the, the smallest of things turn seem like they're a huge hurdle. I know for me, looking back, that was something that was very relevant. I would often play the next day over in my head at night and it was just the smallest of tasks, like going down to the supermarket, catching up with a mate, even, even little things like going to footy training, which I'd grown up to absolutely love and just admired and wanted to do, they just turned into, you know, challenging tasks. So it's those small things that often people don't think about too much, but it just becomes exhausting for certain people, especially when you're putting on a brave face half the time I would get home from school and I'd be absolutely knackered because yeah. I've been living in sort of two worlds. And I think that's, that's certain how people feel a lot of the times they are sort of putting on that brave face and then they're exhausted. Um, and, Absolutely. And can, just go, just looking at things from my point of view, was this something that you noticed in myself from a young age? When did you start to pick up on some early early signs that I was picking up some of your traits and struggling a little bit mentally? Mm. Just to backtrack a little bit too, um, in terms of not being able to speak to people 20 years ago when I probably had a bit of a, my biggest um, experience of anxiety and I was actually diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder, I didn't want anyone to know that because that's part of your perfectionism too. You don't want people to know that you've got a weakness. And yep. as you've said many times, they consider it as a weakness. Mm. 
And I thought, oh, well, my friends, they won't want their kids to come around here and play because they're, you know, dropping their kids off to a crazy lady's house. Mm. Or I won't be able to pick up that friend's child from school from now on because they won't trust me. It had that stigma about it. Which, so... which it does. And that's, that's what I want, to, what I want to sort of break anyway because I'm the exact same. I didn't want anyone to know and it's only been the last six months that I've turned the table and just decided, nah, so bad. Like we, we all go through challenges and if we can start to get it out there more that it is right. normal, normal. Some then... people have asthma. Some people have a leg injury. Some people have ear problems. Um, this, is, this is a condition. Mm. And, but people are so um, embarrassed about it. Which they really shouldn't be, which is what you're saying. I, I, I agree. I think 100% it's like an injury. I know... If I sort of in a game of footy, if I got a corky or had a hamstring injury, the very first thing I'd do is contact the physio the next day or talk to my parents or even friends about it who I know who might be able to help with that injury. And I don't see why this should be any different. If you're struggling mentally, why don't you yep. go out of your way to talk to your parents about it or pick up the phone and reach out to a psychologist? There's always that pressure from people or the judgment from people that are saying that, you know, the easy way out is to go to a doctor um, to take medication, all this sort of stuff, and you should be able to handle your own stress and that it's not really an illness. So there's still a lot of that that goes around too, mm. that it's overdiagnosed and, oh, come on, toughen up, you can cope with that. You know, you've coped with something else significant before, like at the death of someone or this, that and the other happening and you're okay, so why all of a sudden now are you like this? Yeah. And that's still there. So I didn't tell anybody for a really long time. In fact, back then when I um, was diagnosed... Um, I was on received medication and I can remember filling in forms when you go places or to have an operation and you have to fill in your medication that you're on and I was always really self-conscious and terrified to write that down because I didn't want people to see it Mm. on a piece of paper so that's the stigma associated with it and it's only now, 20 years later, since you've started talking about it, that I have even close friends and close family have not known up until now that I've been mm. um, diagnosed with that at that stage. So, And I guess that's that's something that I hate, Mum, especially um, being so close to you. And it was the same for me, the fact that, you know, you sort of don't feel comfortable enough to, to open up. It shouldn't should never be the case. And I, I personally don't want anyone to ever have to go through that because I know... I know how challenging it can be and boiling things up. So you're right, if we can really start to open up that conversation more because all it takes is one conversation and then that conversation will lead on to another. Mm. And the more conversations that I had, the more more of a norm it'll be um, and we, we'll really start to see things shift in the right direction because I know being involved with Headspace now, the, the current statistics and, and the workload that the, those guys are doing, is it's um, it pretty is, it, it is scary. Um, and You feel really alone. It's It's... Yeah, it's it's hard to describe unless you've been through it yourself and everybody's different. Um, and as I've said before, I'm no expert on it, but I can only speak from my own personal experience. And I really believe that you've got that kind of genetic makeup when you're born. You're not born with it, but I was sort of susceptible to that, that happening because of my personality traits. Mm. Um, you know, I was a bit obsessive compulsive about certain things and and perfectionism, which is another trait yep. that can lead to, to anxiety. But I know that it was a combination for things for me when I fell in a heap. I'd had my third son and often your hormones, mm-hmm. you know, at that stage are, are contributing. And, you know, business, we had a few issues going on. There were lots of things happening that year. And all of a sudden, as my doctor said, you draw on all of those reserves of strength. And in fact, you're 
a really strong person because you are the one holding everything up for a long time and then all of a sudden and like you said the the mask that you put on that would have been exhausting for you Mm. all of a sudden there's nothing left there to draw on and you've you're at rock bottom Mm. and I describe because that was my worst time I describe that as being in a really deep hole um, and looking up and seeing the light but you couldn't get up there yeah and it was it went on for months but one other thing I want to say is that I get really mad when people pass judgment on whether or not you should be having medication for this or just having some therapy or just dealing with it yourself. Every person is different um, at what stage you decide to have medication or not to have medication has nothing to do with anybody else. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a chemical imbalance. And it needs to be addressed and managed in different ways. And what suits one person will be really different for another. Mm. And I know when you were younger, when you had some um, a psychologist that you really clicked with, mm. Chris, her name was. Yeah, I do remember Chris. You quite. went to her for a year when you were 10 years old and she did lots of cognitive behaviour therapy for children. And she was fantastic. Mm. You responded really well to her. And at one stage, though, she suggested that to our GP that you might need medication. Mm. And you do have to trust your, um, you know, the medical profession and the experts. She was very against it because of your age. And I understand that. But I also know people, you know, with kids that age who are on medication. So it's very different for every individual. It does need to be individualised, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know. It's you no different be, than what we, yeah, anything. You can go on it, off it. Yeah. Um, all that sort of stuff. And, of course, your journey ended up at that point mm. much later. This is gonna be this is gonna be a really weird question, Joe. But would you say you're not grateful, but become a a better, more resilient person off the back of a lot of these challenges that you have faced? Because with me, it sounds very weird to say, but I'm I'm so grateful that I've gone through some really challenging bouts of anxiety, depression, even little things like a couple of ACL reconstructions, some serious injuries. I'm I'm super grateful that I've actually gone through that because I think I'm in a better position now. I'm more resilient and um, I don't think I'd be anywhere in the position without going through some of those challenges. I know it sounds a bit funny, but would you think, would that be sort of fair to say with you as well? It doesn't sound funny at all because I think out of any um, negative situation or adversity, you have to find a positive. I wish I didn't have it. I know that. But mine is managed and reasonably well controlled. And if I look back over the years, I've probably only had two or three really bad Mm. times with it. And I know how to manage it. And I'm really grateful for the people that have helped me. I had the best GP for 20 years. But I don't know if I'm a better person. No, I can't say that for me. I can Mm. see it for you. When you say you've learnt how to manage it, what's what does that look like for you? Again, that's gonna be different for every person. But have you got some strategies that you refer to? I call it a toolbox. That's the, that's the thing that I preach. Toolbox. Your little toolbox, because we're all gonna, as we've sort of discussed a little bit here, there's gonna be stages in life that we all go through, and it's just unavoidable to to go through life without having stress periods of anxiety. So. What I like to say is it's all about having that toolbox that you can draw back on in those challenging times. So for me, two days ago, and I was having a bit of a rough day, so I got out my journal and I referred to that toolbox and instantly I started to feel better. So for me, that's things like meditation, gratitude journaling, going out and doing something that I enjoy, which is taking the dog for a walk or exercising. It's little things like chucking the headphones in and listening to music, but everyone's toolbox is going to be different. So what does that look like for you? Well, hmm, that's tricky too. 
just realizing and accepting the fact that my anxiety is always there um and it manifests in different ways and yours did too mm. yours went from not wanting to sleep at somebody's house um to if you had someone knock at the door to come and, and play or hang out with you you'd go and hide in a bedroom yeah all those avoidance tactics and then it changed to a sort of a sickness health thing where you somebody threw up in our toilet a kid here and you wouldn't use that toilet for six months because you were going to get that illness and wouldn't go near it and things like that so it does change and evolve and of course what happened to you recently in the last two years that big breakdown if you like to call it that mm. um looked a lot different Do so you... anxiety is always there it looks different but you need to recognize that it's there and once it starts to take hold that's when you you need to jump in and do these things that will help mm. now i know i should exercise and i'm not a big one for it but i know that when you go for a walk or you just sit outside somewhere nice in the bush or something like that it it, it does help mm. um do you, with that breakdown that you just touched on there obviously i spoke a little bit about that on triple j recently do you remember that night or is it i remember too so um I went back through my notes here because I forget things, but I found in your file, which is nearly as fat as my medical file, I couldn't believe how big mine was. Um, because that's one of the things, if you've got um, anxiety related to health and health worries, um, you think you've got every mm. condition under the sun. And prior to Google, I would read medical books or if a doctor said to me, I think you've got many years disease. Yeah. For instance, I had dizzy spells when um, 20 years ago, this started all this. I looked it up, I read it, I convinced myself I had it. I contacted the Many Years Support Group. They sent me all the inf information. Now, did I have it? No. Um, but I convinced myself that I did. And when I actually went to a GP and had, you know, some tests and I talked to her and she talked about the fact that, you know, I was having these anxiety attacks, I just said to her, look, I will accept what you've said to me and take it on board but my biggest worry is that when I come into you in a few weeks or months and I have got a physical health problem a genuine problem you're going to disregard it and say it's anxiety mm. that's a big worry for people with um, that health related anxiety mm. so she promised me she wouldn't because you know Jed when you feel the physical symptoms they are very real absolutely yeah now I forget the question you asked me so do I actually um, uh, oh well that's a good lead on too I oh, know it's about you so your first one that was pretty big was in yep. your gap year. So it was about three months into your gap year after school. And I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. How open do you want me to be? Yeah, go for it for all, by all means. I came home from work one day. You'd finished a year 12 and you got through it and you were having a gap year. And obviously um, I hadn't picked up on some of the signs, but I came home and you were um, really upset, crying. Um, almost sort of in fetal position in your bed and you're calling out to me and I was, what do you want? I just got home from work. Mm. And I walk, walked in there thinking you wanted me to put a picture up on your wall or something and found you like that. And um, I said, oh, my God, have you broken up with your girlfriend? You know, what's wrong? And you said, I don't know. I've been feeling like this for three months and I don't know why I feel like it. I know everyone loves me. I've got a good life, a good family. I'm healthy. I don't know why I feel like this. And... I'll never forget it and I was so, so sad and so uh, angry at myself for not knowing and because it, you covered it up so well. Mm, and But that, that's that's what it does to you, I guess. You don't want to open up and I, I, I could see how sad you were and that's why I didn't want to tell you because I knew how upset with you you would be and it, you always feel like you're letting... People shouldn't feel like that. That's right and that's... Mm. that's the, if you had a broken toe, you wouldn't walk around and hide it and not tell me. No, 
That's right. So so we got you straight into the GP the next day and went, went from there. And I'm not saying that's a quick fix. I mean, it's a really long process, but we were really proud that, um, and everyone that I talked to about it in my family just were really proud that you told us because mm. a lot of people wouldn't have that courage to do that. So... So I guess just just to wrap up the the mental health side of things there, that's I guess that's where it all st- sort of started. And from there, I, as Joe just said, I I sought help. I regularly spoke to my parents about it, um, and things really did start to change. And and that can be no different for anyone out there. So if you are struggling, always know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Things will change. As I said, I've I've gone from wanting not wanting to to go to school, but to do an oral presentation to to jumping on any opportunity I can get to talk in front of a big stage, and that's what led me into my involvement with with Headspace Bendigo and also some presentations with CCB. And I I guess it's it's awesome, always awesome to see how meaningful it can be to certain people. I know when I did a presentation to Catherine Macaulay College, I think it was February this year. Um, where I spoke a little bit about what we're doing today, my mental health journey, the struggles that I went through during high school and, and why I want things to be different for others. I remember getting a message of about 10 to 15 students that night, which I was so humbled by, but it just shows that that everyone does have a lot of these struggles and they're just not comfortable enough to open up about it. So please, if you are struggling, um, don't feel like the, you, you have to hold it to yourself because you really don't. There's always someone who will care more than you probably think. So that's a little bit about the, the mental health side of things, Joe, and obviously fitness fitness and health is a big part of the health project, which you've um, you've had to put up, I guess you could say, and see a lot of the, the weird quirks that I've got going, which we're actually going to cover in a, in a little minute with a little bit of humour. Um, but for me, my fitness journey, where do you think that all began? Was I someone who was always pretty passionate about it or was there a turning point? I know I think a couple of the turning points were some big injuries, which I'll, we'll get into. But can you think back to a turning point when it came to the fitness side of things? Mm, I reckon it's very much linked to your personality too because um, you've always been a bit of a perfectionist and you want to be the best at whatever you do mm-hmm. um, and like things to be just so and organised. And this is all part of it. As you said, you just want to be the healthiest. Yeah. Um, you just want to be the healthiest version of yourself pretty much. So um, I think... I think I was always passionate about it. I think it was predominantly sport-related at the time. I just wanted to be the best sportsman I could. But then, as I said, I went through some really serious injuries. So two ACL reconstructions, which are a 12- to 18-month rehabilitation process, as well as two pretty big hip operations. So by the age of 18 or 19, I'd had four pretty serious injuries, um, which took a lot of time away from sport, which, again, didn't help with my mental state. But as I've said, it, it did build a lot of resilience and Throughout the rehabilitation process, I guess I just got obsessed with it. I wanted to mm. to get back to sport, to be the best I could and, and not have to go through another injury like that. So I got right into the gym. I was in there five, six days a week. And then I started looking into the nutrition side of things, supplementation, how it can improve the recovery process. And it just went on from there. And then, you know, I think I got into reading, listening to podcasts and my knowledge just skyrocketed and... Um, you know, I, I wanted to make a career out of it and that sort of led me to the position I am now and I want to educate others and help others live a live a healthier life. Yeah, and you, you're at that age too where you, um, I can remember back then I was right into diet and 
food and nutrition and looked at what I was eating and stuff like that and I clearly don't do it anymore. <laughs> um, you're at the perfect optimum age to take it all in and, and you do. Mm. Um, I still think it's really part of your personality though because to go the steps, that you, the next level that you have with all of this stuff that you're doing is it's really similar to like when you were a little kid and we'd get up and you were four and you'd be in that bedroom of yours down the back, the big toy room thing, and you'd line up every single one of your toys in order facing the same way. You just, I know that sounds like a silly kind of comparison, but that's just who you are. Mm. No, I agree. So if you do something, you want to just, you do it properly. Yeah. Um, which uh, can work to your detriment too, because if things don't go according to plan, that's when our anxiety kicks mm, in for sure. and our stress levels. But I think you've learned to be a lot more flexible now, as mm. have I. And I think um, the way I describe it now is I've just become... Yes, obsess and love the feeling of you know feeling good. It's I think it becomes addictive to, of going of as I've said, we've gone through some challenges, injuries, some bouts of anxiety, depression, some digestive issues. I think even by the age of nineteen, I had a lot of acting and all that, and to to sort of get on the the other end of the spectrum there, and you know just become feeling better every day. Um, you become addicted to to wanting to look better, to wanting to feel better. So. Every little thing that I think I try and implement into my daily daily routine um, is tailored towards that. And I think too, it's yeah, and you have got a routine, and I know that because we stayed in the same or adjoining motel room with you the other day. I want, have, have your you... little routine from when you get up to when you go out is just um, you have to see it to believe it. But it's also um, a bit annoying if um, you're lying in bed and. At six o'clock in the morning, and you hear you bashing around. We may as well and making your supplements. And why we it has been asked a fair bit, so why it's been brought up, we might actually cover a bit of that. Um, before I go through, I will go through a full day of what what it looked like for me. Is there any funny, out of the habits quirk quirky little things that I do for my health and well being, fitness that stands out to you the most? It's all a bit weird if you ask me, but if you believe in it, that's good. Yeah. Um, just I, walking around with face masks, we never know what color face you're going to walk out with this disgusting drinks that you mix up and come in and try to get me to taste and say it's beautiful while I'm half asleep the other morning and I nearly dry reached. Um, I, I really like that drink. but I reckon the weirdest, oh. two of the weirdest ones are the uh, blue light blocking glasses that um, <laughs> that, I, that I do wear at night, which there is some serious science and I, I can certainly adhere to it since wearing them. My... My sleep's improved because I track that through heart rate variability. I track my REM and deep sleep cycles. And I'm not knocking any of it, Jed. I reckon it's great. You've got to try all these That's things. That's right. But it just looks bloody funny. When it does, yep. I walk in and you've got a green face mask on and your red glasses or whatever they are and you're standing in front of your infrared light. Yeah. Um, That's the other one. I reckon the, mm. the infrared light is, um, yeah, again, very science-backed and all that, but it's not very often you'll see a, a 22-year-old standing uh, naked in front of a red light panel in his bedroom, is it, Joe? No, I just don't want to talk about the naked bit. So, um, so back back to the routine. So for me at the moment, um, it'll I'll, I'll wake up at six o'clock every single morning, and that's been pretty stock standard for quite a while. I've always been a bit Trust of an. Trust me, we know. I've been a bit of an early bird on someone if I very noisy. I do have to get up very early in the morning. So, I've covered a little bit about my my routines previous previous posts, but. 6 a.m. I'll get up. I'll track my heart rate variability, which tells me pretty much how well my central nervous system is recovering, which I can then use to gauge how physical um, I'm going to be for the remainder of the day. I'll track my heart rate variability, then I'll go and hydrate. So I try and get down about 600 mils of water straight off the bat. Um, I do also um, oil pull. So 
prior to the hydration, I'll just swiggle around a bit of coconut oil in my mouth or some sesame seed oil, which can help get rid of the bacteria that you've developed overnight. I'll spit that out, I'll hydrate, and then I'll go into my room. I'll stand in front of the, the infrared panel for 10 minutes while I'll do some morning journaling, which consists of gratitude, empathy, and affirmation. So I'll write, what am I grateful for that upcoming day? What, what do I want to achieve today? Who can I help today? Um, and then something that will make today great as well as some affirmations. So in the affirmations, I like to include things like um, where I want to see myself in a few years' time, my visions and so forth. So I love doing that. And obviously just standing in front of the infrared panel, that's a, it's a good cheap way to get 10 minutes of that in. After that, I'll get into, I call it morning priming of the body, which consists of some yoga flow, some stretches and a bit of foam rolling just to wake the body up. And then I'll get into an exercise session with some caffeine. So I like to have a bit of black coffee and I might go for a 20-minute walk with a dog or I might have a my first exercise session with some weights, some ex, jump on the exercise bike or even just jump in the jump in the sauna, which is another funny little thing that... We've now actually got an infrared sauna at our house. So that's the morning routine, which takes about an hour and a half. So that's about 6 till 7.30. And then throughout the day is pretty much, it does vary from day to day. So obviously I've got my university studies, some stuff with Headspace and working with schools, stuff with the podcast and now the business. Um, so throughout don't, the... Don't, don't forget the two hours of cleaning the bathroom, doing your own washing, picking up the dog poo and mowing the back lawn. You fit that in every day, don't you? No, not not necessarily. So I do try to, um, so the days do vary, but it's evening and the morning routine are pretty structured and everything else sort of just falls into how it does. But even in saying that, I make sure I still get some regular routines in there. So I make sure I get a minimum one or two walks in a day. I make sure I'm in the sunshine. I've got to meditate once a day. I've got a journal. I've got a... Um, you know, visualize. So they're little things that I will incorporate throughout the Spoken day. Moses, no wonder you can't do any housework. Yes, that's right. And then, yeah. and then the evening routine. Um, so I, I generally have my main exercise session around four or five thirty p.m. Just seems to work the best for me. Plus, there is a bit of science that this is the best time for males to exercise due to the release of growth hormone testosterone. Um, and some of the hormones affected with strength and muscle size. So that's when I exercise. I'll have dinner, which is very stock standard, whatever whatever mum you, you seem to cook up, which is always beautiful. And then I'll get stuck in into a few other little things. So I'll have another small stretch at night. Um, I'll have my my evening drink, which is generally just some zinc, magnesium, ashwagandha, which can help re- relaxation and then finish off with some more journaling, which is always gratitude and um, reflecting on the day. So that's... I don't, I don't know, Joe, did you know that I try and incorporate all that in my day? I know you see some weird quirks. But... I do because you're a lot like me and you've got your little whiteboard in your room with your daily program and occasionally I'll notice all your mm. your agenda for the day. But I just wanted to say that everybody's different and I know you're kicking goals and it's awesome what you're doing, but for some people it might be baby steps and they may not go, you know, yep. that quickly and, and you know yourself, Jed, that, I'm not trying to set you up for failure, but you know that if you are, um, you know, susceptible to this and, and you do suffer from this, that it can creep up on you again. Yeah, 100%. Yep. So you've got to be mindful of that. And also um, for other people listening, you don't have to achieve great, fantastic, wonderful things in a short period of time. If you do feel like that, you just, you know, sometimes you're going to feel like crap for days. And um, and I guess it's a really good point, And that's where it's about having that toolbox so you can refer back to having it's okay not to be okay great that's mm. a it's a 
don't try to measure up to other people and I think that was always part of my problem Mm. especially when I had little kids and you know you'd compare yourself to the mum down the road who always looked amazing and her house was brilliant and perfect and if you strive for that then you're just setting yourself up for failure and I'm 54 now and I'm only just starting to accept myself for who I am and Mm. I really don't care that much about what other people think of me. Mm. Yeah, and so, I was the same, and I I did a funny little post the other day, which caused a bit of a, a bit of a stir. But you know, I I cared so much about what people think, which is great. You you, you do need to care because if you don't care, you you know what I mean. You you're gonna make irrational decisions. You do have to have a some sort of care factor, and if you make a decision that it can affect other people's thoughts and views, but at the same yeah. time, you don't want to get too caught up in it. Um, and I think social media with Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. has caused a bit of a stir because think about it, you go through, you scroll through and all you see is good photos of people because they're not going to post a bad photo of themselves. So I think that um, that has caused some issues, but it is great in the same time. But as Joe said, it's about, um, you know, just accepting yourself, working on yourself, putting in some strategies in place that are going to put you on the right path, but it is about baby steps and, you know. And my biggest piece of advice is for anybody suffering any sort of mental health or anxiety, whether it's diagnosed or not, is to talk to people and tell people and acknowledge it because I was so grateful that Jed did that and I know that's the biggest and the first step that you need to talk about it. And the more I talk to people about it, the more I realise that, I don't know the numbers, but every second or third person that I talk to has somebody in their family or they're going through it themselves and you don't feel like, um, you know, mm. you're such a freak yep. and that you're the only one and that, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And then, Joe, we've, it's been awesome. I want to finish off quickly, though, with the um, just with the aspirations of the health project moving forward, where I want to move, move on with things. Obviously, I've just announced that it is a bit of a business model, so the health pro- project for everyone listening that is not aware, it's, it's more than just the podcast now. So there's um, we do have our... Or I've got the the website up and running where there is some online programming options so you can access my coaching services, which involves some nutrition consults, exercise consults. Lucky enough to have teamed up with the lab in the UK, which I am now offering DNA testing, which is very simple. It's it's All it takes is a saliva test, which I'll then send off to the lab and they'll distribute the results back. And the DNA test can tell you everything from the way that you should eat your nutrient needs, your supplementation needs, the way you should exercise, your sleep and stress response. If you're predisposed to obesity, heart disease, diabetes, all sorts of conditions, and it's only something you need to do once in your life because your genes never change. And it's sort of um, the way I love to describe it is it takes the guessing out of the equation because it's all well and good for me. If someone comes to me and they want a nutrition program, I can design that program, but it's not necessarily going to be very specific to that person because every single person's diet exercise program should be different. So um, yeah, DNA testing, online programming, offering, we've got our own supplements that you can jump on and purchase online and there will be a local store here in central Victoria and also in that store there's going to be some infrared saunas, which again, infrared saunas, I think are just about one of the best health hacks you can have. Um, red light panel and then I'm not going to give away too much because there's still a few decisions to be made but for all you athletes out there there's potential to be a nice recovery and athlete facility service so um, that's that's where the health project's at at the moment moving forward I'm going to 
I've been again very vocal. I do want to publish a book. It's mum. Um, it's been something that I've spoken to you about. It's a. It's been a big goal of mine. This is where that journey started. So I never actually had the the mission to start a podcast. It all started with the the fact that I wanted to write a book. So I started interviewing some of these guests, and then it was only about two weeks before announcing the podcast that I thought, gee, I've got all these all these interviews backed up on my um on my laptop. I may as well do something with them. So the book's going to be an ongoing thing that I that I definitely want to get out there eventually, whether that's two years down the track, three, I'm not going to set a date on it. I'm just going to chip away as well as um, I, I want to design my very own wellness journal, very similar to what I do is gratitude, affirmations, empathy. That's something that I want to create my own um, and then just continue to educate others. So you continue to work at schools. I know mum won't like me saying this on there, but even though I am studying to be a teacher, I don't necessarily want to be a, a nine to five um, classroom teacher. I, I do want to educate people, um, but more so on a platform and variety like I'm doing now with mental health and all sorts of things. You can so do both. That's right. There's um there's plenty of options, but moving forward, I just want to educate people to, to feel better, to look better and live a healthy life because that's what I'm all about. And as I said, I'm addicted to, to starting to feel better. So Joe, um, it's been it's been pretty fun. It's been a bit weird just in our study doing this uh this episode, but I'm pretty grateful to have you on. And it's always weird at our place. It is always weird at the Zimmer house. I but mum, um, in in all seriousness, I've never uh, had the opportunity to say something like where you know people can hear it. But you've um you've been a an awesome mum. You've sort of I wouldn't be anywhere in near this position where I am today with without your support, both you and dad. So. Um, I'm I'm proud of you for jumping on and sharing a bit of your journey because I know how how much it means to you and how how much courage it did take. So, Mum, I love you and thanks for jumping on and being part of the health project. Oh, thanks, Jeff. It was hard for me to get a word in, but <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. But thank you. Awesome. I might I might do my own show one night. You might Sweet. have to. Yeah. Really proud of you, Jen. Don't forget your parents when you're famous. There you go, guys. We'll uh we'll see you back next week for episode twenty four of the health project. <laughs>